We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in this Thursday morning edition, Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio. The uh, couple of uh, the first of a couple shows with us today. We'll be hand raised guys tonight, seven o'clock on. Uh, on that one, we it's have podcast a- Thursday. I wake up yes. on Thursday and I'm like, it's podcast day. I got, I got, I got the Oxford Exxon podcast, minding my money. Tyler comes in here with all of his energy and the rain, and then about the time I recover from that, it's time to hit it again. Podcast Thursday. It's probably a good thing that Henry's guys a little more low key. There's no schedule. There's no 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 outline of what you got to talk about. You can kind of just sit there and watch TV and chill. And last year. Thursday included loading that massive three-hour pregame show, which was – I got to Thursday night, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm toast. Anyway, yeah. let me interrupt you. No, it's podcast right, Thursday. I wake up. I'm like, let's go. What's up, Chris Lee? Hawaii and Vanderbilt, just 455, 60 hours away, something like that from their uh, – their tussle there at whatever that rec stadium is called there in uh in in, in Honolulu, so we'll uh, discuss that. I'm hoping some other stuff. I, I wasn't around. Neil taped it with uh with Chris Lee of VandySports.com. Yeah, we talked about this. Fourteen. I don't think you spent thirty minutes on Hawaii and I Vanderbilt. Mean, we broke down Hawaii's too deep, and then after that, we talked some other stuff. <clears throat> I did ask him the Clark Lee question that I have wanted to ask. So you'll hear that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's coming up here today. Um, guest tonight is slipping my mind. Who's with us tonight? Uh, Braden Gall. That's joins. right. Yes, that's right. Yep. He uh, he's had some SEC predictions lately. He has. They discussed those. Braden has Ole Miss finishing last in the SEC West, but he hasn't gone to a bowl game. So we talked about that. Okay. Neil's just trying to stick the knife in you guys today. Just, 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 just twisting it. Found, yeah. found the one guy who's got Ole Miss last in the SEC West, and it was giving him attention today. It was interesting. I just like, like I told you, this is the last week where all the preseason picks and stuff are news. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because then next start, week it's game week. Next week, start playing games. Yeah. So 
Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West, coming into town this week, heading out of town next week. Fill up the tank. You can do that. You can save a little money in the process by downloading the Exxon mobile app. Thousand bonus points, ten bucks off there at the pump. When you do that, stop in. Lunch specials five sixty nine. Maybe some ribs tonight for dinner if you got a busy night. You know, uh, there's a parents' night at Bramlin if you got kids in different schools tonight. Need to take care of dinner easily. Oxford Exxon will help out with that again. Wet or dry ribs, pick them up, have them ready to go there with the Oxford Exxon again. Coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. You know, Kara, I really wanted to go to the parent night, but I, I can't. I've got I've got a podcast. I've got to pay the bills. It's five thirty to six thirty is the issue. And oh, he's like, and I'm already like pointed in this direction, headed over when it's like, over. You know, so. I need to focus mentally. I got to talk about football. Got to get my mind right. I just think if I'm hanging out with all those kids, and, and what, who knows, maybe I'd get sick. Maybe they'd get sick. I just don't know that this is a great idea, right? Don't know what the caller's going to be tonight. Got to prep every topic in preparation for what the callers might ask tonight. <laughs> parent night. Then you walk into parent night, you're like, was this really necessary? You don't think it is? I don't know. It's fine. It's <laughs> kindergarten. You get, to see some pic- you get to see some pictures and stuff like that. You do? Very true. Uh, yeah. Uh, Clark Ford Studio. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. Uh, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for uh, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done multiple times now. Or uh, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product, the service, everything about Clark Ford. I had dinner with Corey on Tuesday night, as a matter of fact. Uh, super guy. He'll take care of you the way he's taking care of me. 662-257-1900. Uh, guest, join Chris Lee, Braden Gall, others on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place to go hang out, grab a beer, a drink. Uh, you Coming up next weekend. For uh, the Troy game, the opener, no, stop by uh, Rafters. Is your pregame? If you're there in the afternoon. Look, the college crew's going to get in there about eight o'clock. It's going to get going to get wild and woolly, but a good place to stop in before that. Grab a grab a beer while you're waiting for a table or whatnot, someplace. So, Rafters on the square, also Rafters uh, out at New Albany. So, um. <laughs> I guess Ole Miss-wise, really not a lot of news. Um, we're just getting there at this point. I mean, they worked on Troy a lot yesterday. They're working on Troy every day because that is the first opponent of the season. They will yeah. they will do whatever is necessary to – whatever that means to get ready for the Trojans and John Summerall coming up here in uh, in, in a little over a week in Oxford. Um, Rebels favored by 23, I think, something like that, on the, uh, on the opening line. I started working on Neil's picks this morning. I've not gotten to the lines – had to get kind of the, the first preamble where you have to kind of tell people, hey, look, if this content item triggers you, it's just probably not for you. Don't open it. So I was working on that today, but I haven't gotten to lines yet. Trying to decide how many games we pick in week one. Do we just stick SEC or do we experiment? Experimenting this early. <laughs> Well, I tell you what it does. It creates a lot of freaking games. It does. Because the SEC teams aren't playing one another. That is the yeah. biggest issue with that. We'll probably just stay in the league week one. But no promises moving forward. 
Well, no, because if Newt gets off to a slow start, we suddenly start doing. That's, that's the. Those are the rules. Horse races and midget wrestling, and we've never done midget wrestling. That's a thought. If you can find it, there's a line on it. We can. Yeah. We can. We can. We yeah. can knock it out. So, keep in mind, I've got a resource in in uh, in Tyler. I could start using some MMA picks. It's not not your strong suit. In no way. He was. I, I, I was talking to Tyler the other day, and he goes, "Hey, did you see it?" I'm like, "Dude, if you do not put it in front of my face, I did not see it. I, I did not see highlights. I saw nothing. I have no idea. Okay, like, nope, nope, no, 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 not a chance." Um, wearing your Cubs hat today. Got your, got your, got your ire up this morning. Um, yeah. As I'm as I'm looking, see, I thought we were going to talk good Cubs stuff today because. I saw the clip yesterday of Pat Hughes going into the Cubs Hall yeah. of Fame. Really neat moment. Somebody cool that you're, you're fond of. It's kind Very of fun. sort of a, a soundtrack of your life and away from the Cubs yeah. and the baseball. He's the play-by-play announcer for the Cubs. Anybody is um, missing that. And they did a pretty neat thing. They had his partner in the booth hand him a page that had his own bio on it announcing him into the Hall of Fame. So he sees it on air and – you can tell he was withholding emotion and doing sure. all he could to sort of stay in the moment and not he's completely. He's a pro's pro. And a, he did yeah. not want to deflect from the things going on on the field past the the, the thank you. Um, see, I thought we were going to talk about that. I thought we were going to celebrate Pat Hughes this morning. I thought we were going to go into how play-by-play announcers are so seminal in our lives in different ways. And instead, and we, still we got that. pissed off this morning. Yeah, a little bit. So the Cubs and Cardinals close out their five-game series today at Wrigley, 120. Um, by the way, there's a uh, Obvious Shirts has this green cap that has the Wrigley Field clock on it Okay, set to 120, and I cannot get it. It keeps – Oh, that's se- kind of cool. It sells out instantly. If anybody ever gets one – Really? Send, get an extra. If you ever get on, get two and send me one, I will pay you back. Um. Anyway, one twenty today, and the Cubs put out this tweet, and I don't like it. You're frustrating. It bothers me. I can't find the exact tweet. I but they're honoring. It. They're going to recognize Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina today, two guys who are supposedly retiring. At the end of the season, this is the Cardinals' last game at Wrigley for the season. Why did you use excellent news quotation marks? Oh, there? because neither guy would shot me if they just decided to come back for one more year. I mean, what happens if Pujols finishes at six ninety nine home runs? Does he come back to hit one more? You really think he might do that? I don't know. He's like at six ninety four right now. Why are we recognizing those two guys? I mean, it, I'm fine with bringing them out there putting them on the field, and then, like, opening up a fire hose or something. That's cool. Throwing things at them. Whatever. But we're supposed to clap? I'm supposed to applaud Yadier Molina at Wrigley Field? Why? For what? For for, for you did nothing? Never well, they do that thing sometimes, you know, like when, I guess, Chipper and Jeter did their last rounds. Everybody would give them the gift as they made the last, okay. the, the last deal. I'm fine with both of those guys. That's not what we're talking about. Chipper Jones played for the Braves. Well, the Mets gave Chipper something. What? Same thing. Mets can do whatever they want to do. I'm against the Cubs recognizing Cardinals on the field. No. Why? 
Is he going to get like a standing ovation? What's it going to look like? I mean, I'd boo. I'm not, I'm not standing up and applauding Yadier Molina at Wrigley Field. Why? He never, he never did anything in a Cub uniform. You're celebrating that he's gone, finally. He was an antagonistic player. Why am I applauding Albert Pujols? At Wrigley? He never did anything in a Cub uniform. Why am, why am I cheering for Albert Pujols? Rec- recognizing his greatness? Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with like their last at-bat. A few people stand up and go, hey, you did good. Congrats. But we got to have some thing where we give them gifts and stuff. What's that about? You think we're going to give them gifts? I'm, I'm sure. They're, we'll probably give them something from the, the scoreboard. That's what the Cubs typically do. Yeah, really? And I have no problem with like some guys, but those two guys? No. Why not Adam Wainwright while we're just sticking it to our own people? Why not Adam Wainwright? What's Chris Carpenter doing these days? Yeah, Bring him back I mean, and let's. I mean, what's next? Ozzy Smith Day? I told you. I mean, you think you think they're going to go when? Uh, let's see. You think they're going to recognize Ryan Sandberg at Bush? I'm going to guess not. You don't think they ever did that? Not that I remember. Is this a new thing? A little bit. This is that new everybody loves each other deal. I actually was listening to a Cubs broadcast the other day. Joe Girardi, who got fired in Philadelphia, was in the booth, and he said. He didn't like it, and I was with him. Maybe maybe this is a, a generational gap. Girardi's kind of my age. Mm-hmm. They were talking about, so that I can be an equal opportunist, tell me what you think about this. Christopher Morrell, the um, Cubs rookie, who only played like 20 games at double-A or higher, they called him up, and he's had a really good season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Young guy. Happy guy, smiley guy, like him. Fine. He comes to the plate for his first appearance in a Cubs-Cardinals game. No, Cubs-Brewers game on Saturday. Okay? I'm in, uh, I'm in Fayetteville running on a treadmill. And I'm watching Cubs-Brewers on my iPad. Okay. And he steps, get, steps into the box. He taps the catcher. No, kind of almost hugs the catcher for the Brewers. Looks out at the pitcher, nods, looks into the Brewers' dugout and sort of tips his helmet to Craig Council, the the Brewers' manager. And Joe Girardi said what I was thinking. You did that to me, I'd throw at you on the first pitch. So what's the – why? I don't know. I mean, we're enemies on the field. Did anybody ask? No. No, it's just what he does. Apparently that's his thing. First at bat, he says hello to everybody, including the other manager. No. Step to the plate, tap the bat on the plate or whatever, and get ready and try to crush the ball. Because the pitcher's trying to get you out. You're trying to get on base. So if you're the pitcher, you're pissed when he Well, I just look at him like, hey, dude, no, we're not buddies right now. Maybe there will come a day when we're buddies, but it's not this moment. I'm trying to get you out. You're trying, you're trying to get on. You getting on... Leeds puts me in the stretch against the top of your order, and I don't want you on base. Because if you get on base, you might score. And if enough of you cats score, I'm going to lose. And if I lose enough times, I'm not going to keep getting this job. But if I strike you out, 
or get you to hit a weak-ass ground ball to second base, I keep moving along, and it gives me a better chance of winning. And the more that I win, the more that people are going to want me to keep doing this job. And the longer I do this job, the more money I'm going to make doing it. Very simple. It's not hard. So when you look out and go, hey, what's up, man? Good to see you. No, no. He didn't keep this up long term, right? I mean, I don't know. Everybody's like, oh, what a great guy. I'm sure. Did he do it in the minor leagues? I don't know. But this is the major leagues. These are the big I mean, where's he in high A Scranton going, hey, what's up, John Doe? I mean. I mean, you do that to Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Nolan Ryan. My God, what would happen? I mean, people tell stories about Bob Gibson of like you accidentally looked at him. (laughs) You didn't mean to. Yeah. Next thing you know, I mean, you're searching for your teeth. <laughs> yeah, I think Gibson's the worst one, according to Lore. Yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, Joe Girardi was asked. I guess I don't know who was in the booth with him. I guess it was Boog Shambi. It was Boog Shambi and uh, Jim Deshays and Joe Girardi in the booth. Mm-hmm. Deshays pitched in the bigs. Girardi, as most people probably know, was a catcher, caught for the Cubs, the Cardinals, had a pretty long career. Yeah. Um, and Girardi was asked, hey, how would you respond if someone did that to you as a catcher? And he goes, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like it when people would come up and like tap the shin guards with the bat to say hello because I just didn't like it. it bothered oh. me. Old school. Yeah, because a lot of hitters will kind of do the little report with the catcher. And, hey, yeah, what's up? How whatever. you doing? Hey, you what's up? Yeah, you know, they come to the plate, and they're drawing their thing in the dirt, and they tap the umpire and tap the catcher, and everybody goes, hey, what's up? And then you play. Uh, okay. It's not all Jake Taylor from Major League where we're just chatting when the yeah. guy comes up. I mean, people are throwing a ball 90-some-odd miles an hour. Let's get let's Let's focus on what we're trying to do here. Yeah, as I told Neil, I I do cover a program where they had Skip Bertman Day at Swayze one day, and that did not go over really well with the uh, nor should with, it. with the home crowd. It was it, it shouldn't. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? Hey, it's Jackie Sherrill Day here at Bart Hemingway Stadium. How's that gonna go over? Hubbardville did do a hotty toddy. I know. The same day a Dak helmet was for auction. <laughs> it was a low point. That week. Whew. That week. That was the same day, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a Saturday. Yep. Yep. Which led to Dave Doran Sunday. Was that that? Yeah, oh yeah. Was that really that weekend? Yes, sir. Yep. I didn't recall that all being the same weekend. Yeah. Had a lot going on. That was the night that I got home at about 1130. Ole Miss had lost to A&M in a typical sort of a Matt Luke team game. Yeah. Didn't get blown out. They just lost. It was like two touchdowns. Whatever. Stadium was half full, maybe, on a November night. Final home game of the year. I got back, and <clears throat> I don't even remember what I'd written. I don't think – I remember thinking, whatever I write doesn't matter. This is over. We're, this is all about a coaching search in a week. And I got back intending to go to bed. I was tired. I poured just a little bit of bourbon just to kind of chill for just a minute, thinking I'll be asleep within 30 minutes. Went to bed about four. Literally got call after call after call. Didn't have to call anybody. People were calling me. 31-24 Aggies. Yeah, about about right. Kind of a typical <clears throat> typical game that year. Just the stadium was dead. You were like, this is 
I know where we're headed. I turns out I did not know where we were headed. Because if you had told me that night Matt Luke's going to get the job on a permanent basis one week from tomorrow, I would have said, you're out of your mind. It's so funny looking back because we know what that day was. Frankly, we know what the Arkansas day was when we talked. We actually mentioned it yesterday with Jeff Long being upset when he left after a Razorback win. But then you look at the schedule in its totality now, uh, five years later, or almost five years later, and they won three of their last four, including wins over state and at Kentucky. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like this weird thing yeah. where when I guess my point being when somebody looks at this 15 years from now and goes, oh, well, that's how Matt Luke kept the job. It's like, no, actually, that's not that's, how, that's not how Matt kept the job. <laughs> Narrator, but, that was not Yeah, you need to talk to somebody who was around for <laughs> that one. That is, You can't just look at the schedule and go, oh, wow, they got better. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. nope, that wasn't it. No. It turns out they were getting better. There were some signs, but that, sure. but that was not it. And I feel 100% confident in that assessment. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Interesting time. That was, yeah, that's something. So. All right, we're going to go to uh, Chris Lee now. Again, Southeastern 14, VandySports.com, talking Commodores and Warriors and week zero of the college football season coming up here. So uh, that and more here with uh, Neil and Chris Lee on the Oxford Exxon podcast and the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. My uh, good friend and uh, frequent guest here on the podcast, Chris Lee of AndySports.com, kind enough to join. Uh, luckily, you n- neither none of you out there were, hopefully there's more than neither of you, hopefully there's none of you, uh, were uh, privy to our pre-show conversation, and we'll leave it that <laughs> way. Um, <laughs> um, let's start here. Uh, Vanderbilt plays week zero, the doors out in Hawaii. Uh, it's a 9.30 central kick, I believe, on uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday night. We've said lots of jokes about Vanderbilt's used to playing in front of 9,300. I mean, we've had a lot of fun making, yeah. taking cheap shots at Vanderbilt, which is somewhat deserved, somewhat unfair. Um, this is, I don't know, how many seasons for you is this covering Vanderbilt football? This is 20. Wow, you're 20 covering Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> You know how Mike Tyson's sparring partners felt back in the day. Um, <laughs> and then some. And then some, yeah. <laughs> they got to get knocked out. You had to do it week after week after week. Um, is there anything about this Vanderbilt team that, that makes you think that it's different than any of the recent ones? There is, but there's something I, I've got to – I mean, they, they Vanderbilt's been the butt of jokes – for a long time, right? And and like you remember the hey Alabama, you're next a few years ago. They've they've <laughs> worn that shoe a few times. Yeah. So <laughs> Hawaii's director of player personnel or whatever comes out this week and I haven't seen it. I've just seen and, and says something about like Vanderbilt has no idea what it's walking into. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I'm like, well I guess they can just um, you know, Alabama will be a cakewalk from here. <laughs> Yeah, that trip to Athens, it's got nothing. Hawaii, <laughs> no, <it> <laughs> <Why>? shoot. <laughs> I just thought that was a that that did tick. Now I will say this: I have a nephew who played at Wyoming, uh, so he played out there a couple of times. He said the fans will get into you. The natives are particularly nasty, but I, I don't know how much noise 
9,300 people can make. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities. The two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159. Again, nespark.com with prime shrimp. You get restaurant-quality shrimp shipped straight to your door. They also make it easy if you're a first-time customer. Use code MPW for $20 off your first order. They have six different meals in a bag, everything from the uh, the signature blend that has been my favorite for a really long time and the new flavor, the lemon and cracked pepper, Quickly moving up the uh, the list. It's a versatile option there for salads just by itself. Do a lot of different things with it. Put it on pastas. Again, lemon and cracked peppers, the newest flavor. Six in total there with Prime Shrimp. PrimeShrimp.com. Ship straight to your door. Less than 10 minutes. Freezer to plate with Prime Shrimp. They also have their individually packaged or individually frozen, frozen shrimp. It's like you find at the restaurant or the uh, grocery store, except a higher quality, a restaurant quality shrimp from Prime Shrimp. Again, those are in two pound bags and can also be shipped straight to your door as well. And it's almost Grove season. It's time for Johnston Hill Creamery to let you uh, get your tailgate catering taken care of. They're doing that in options for to feed 10, to feed 20, or to feed 40 for all Ole Miss home games this season. They uh, do a great job of artfully arranging the catering on trays, make your presentation look outstanding. They've got everything from some of my favorites, which is the pepper jelly, the uh, the uh, specialty trays, the artisanal, which is their uh, local cheeses they make in-house every single day, the grazing, the charcuterie, the uh, sandwiches, and then great desserts like uh, cookies, brownies, and more. They'll do the crudite if you want something a little healthier. Again, all there with Johnson Hill Creamery. That's 662-419-9201. And then last but certainly not least, G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedScene. Your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. So whether it's one delivery, one pickup, they'll have what you need when you need it with G&M. And they can also transfer your medications. It is really, really easy. You don't have to stay with the big box stores. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. You're going to know the people. They're going to care about you. They're going to know you, and they'll get what you need what you need when you need it with, again, G&M. That's 662-236-2222. Well, when you're – an SEC school and you've played at Tennessee and you've played at Georgia and you've played at Ole Miss and you've played at LSU and look, come on. What, yeah. what can anyone throw at you? It's like, I, I, <laughs> I did a show in baseball season with Peyton Chatney and we were talking about, you know, going to Arkansas or Mississippi state or whatever. And, you know, the fans get on you and he's, yeah, I mean, but you don't really hear anything all that original. And when you do, you're like, Oh, that was good. You know, it's not even, not even upset you. It's just part of a deal. And so I don't, I don't know what Hawaii can throw at the Vanderbilt kid that they've not heard before. <laughs> uh, my, my, have I ever told you the the best baseball heckling story I've heard? No, go for it. I, this, this is not related to either of the teams we cover or even the sec, but my brother's one of his best friends in high school played at Clemson. And um, he's playing right field. They're playing at Wake Forest. And and just some guy's just giving it to him the whole game. Yeah. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn around and just see what this guy looks like. And it was Tim Duncan. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> I bet he was fired up at that point. Yeah. That's Tim one Duncan. he'll never forget. No, that's for sure. 
All right, so back to the original question. Anything on this Vanderbilt team that you've seen from preseason camp that makes you think there's it's any different than what they've kind of endured the last few years? Well, I mean, I think they'll close the gap, right? Um, their, their last two recruiting classes were the best two they've had in a while. You can tell it athletically. Uh, and the class that, that Clark just brought in, and, and I think people may or may not know this, Barton Simmons is their general manager. Yeah. And Barton was the director of scouting for a competing network and, and worked at our network for a while, and everybody respects Barton. And you go to fall camp every year and you're looking for the freshmen, and, and, and at Vandy there's at least two or three guys, and then not more than that. You're like, what what are they doing with an SEC scholarship? This is the first year I ever remember going and looking at the kids and going, okay, I can I can see something here with, with every single one of them. And we got to see – uh, I I probably missed maybe an hour total uh, of the 18 practices. They let oh, us see wow. every minute of everything. So I got a pretty good look. Some of those kids ended up being hurt. But I feel like um, – and this tells you where they were, Neil. Last year in the NFL draft, they had nobody picked. They had two kids that got invited to camp. Now, have, do you ever remember an SEC team that had that little siphon off by the NFL – no, that is that is as bad of an indictment of the previous staff as you can make. Literally, if 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 you're told, hey, make your closing argument, better make it quick. Don't have much time. That you would start and finish right there. Yeah, I mean it. It, it was, I mean even for Vanderbilt, it was really bad. And when people were asking me who can play in the NFL off this team going into the last season, I'm like, man, I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's Ken Seals or maybe it's Jalen Mahoney. Who I mean, th- this year I can actually say, okay, I could see maybe a dozen guys out there that if things break right, and maybe more sure. than that, that one day they get drafted or get a camp invite and, and maybe stick around for a season or two. It, it's it's changing, but, I mean, you look at the league, man, it's brutal. Um, it's like – and, and I heard your podcast with Tyler, and, and this is the point I've been making about the league in the offseason. I think you cut out the top and the bottom, and it's like the NFL in between. You you don't know who's going to win between pick a team, this guy and that guy. And I just think that the gap between the them. I think it's yeah. the thing, Chris, and this is not a criticism of fans at all. And, and I'm not, this is not all fans. But I do think, you know, the, the fans who are, let's say, the hardcore Ole Miss fan or the hardcore LSU fan or the hardcore Tennessee fan, I think this is the thing that they have a hard time acknowledging is that, yeah, there's a there's a gap from 2 to 3. And there's a gap probably from 12 to 13 or 11 to 12, however you view all that. But from 3 to through 10 at the minimum? God help you. I mean, there's not a lot of difference between those teams. And so it comes down to when you play somebody, where you play them, how healthy they are. You know, I mean, you go back and and look at last season, and I think this season's going to be even more this way than last season. You know, like the Ole Miss-Tennessee game, the uh, Ole Miss-Arkansas game, the uh, Tennessee-Kentucky game, the Arkansas-Auburn game. Um we just go on Mississippi State, uh, Auburn. All of those games were like weird games that swung on a play here or a play there or came down to a final play or uh, went to overtime. Uh, Arkansas LSU, 
um, LSU, Texas A&M. I mean, we did this all season yeah. with these games last year, and I think it's going to be even more pronounced this year because I don't think, especially if you buy the South Carolina hype at all, I don't think there's a tremendous gap from 3 to 12. There's a gap, but I don't think it's this cliff. No. And and that's the thing that Vandy's up against is that the the middle and the the even the bottom middle or even the bottom of the league that the the gap between them and the league has gotten bigger in the last few years. Um, no, I think they'll close it. I, I don't know that they're. I would not pick them to win an SEC game next or this year. Uh, they could get some in, in September. In fact, I think they'll get. I think they'll probably get the first two. Uh, which would be a big step for them. But I, I do think that the day where you can just walk in and sleepwalk through a game and, and beat them by three or four touchdowns is, is coming to win. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I think the way they're bringing in talent, um, and, and I think they'll bring a good bit of stability to that program too. Uh, I, I think in a couple of years you'll start to see a difference. If it's this year, I don't know, that might be a, a little soon given what they've got to bite off. Yeah, you know, Ole Miss catches Vanderbilt on a weird spot on the schedule. It's it's a it's a trap spot, no question. I don't I don't know where Vanderbilt where it falls on Vanderbilt's schedule, but for Ole Miss, it's it's after Kentucky and before Auburn. And I, I expect Ole Miss to be four zero when September ends, and they bring Kentucky in the first day of October. And you know, if Ole Miss wins that game, they're going to be five and zero, ranked probably ninth, eighth, somewhere in there nationally, and have that Auburn game right around the corner, and it would be easy to kind of overlook Vandy. I thought Ole Miss kind of not overlooked Vandy last year, but they weren't particularly fired up for that game, and Vanderbilt scared them. So, yeah. you know, it, it, I, I I had my hot take in the middle of the summer that Vanderbilt's going to win an SEC game this year, and Chase makes fun of me, and he's probably right that they won't. But there's just kind of something that tells me that, like you said, that I guess because I'm a Clark Lee fan a little bit, I really like the culture that you can tell he's trying to instill in that program. Uh, when you tell me that practices were open to the media, it tells me that he wanted you all to see that mm-hmm. so that you're a conduit to the fans, so that you all are saying, hey, look, it's we're not there, but there's 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 progress. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't think Vanderbilt's beating Ole Miss before anybody thinks that I'm saying that, but I just kind of think they maybe – surprise somebody late yeah that, that game you know vandy's got a shot like i said it should be 2-0 and then wake comes to town i'm guessing without sam hartman their quarterback which makes it maybe interesting wake is not uh, athletically wake is not out of vanderbilt's league i don't think based on what people have told me um you know i, I don't know how wake recovers and and if hartman doesn't play and, and, and look i don't expect him to win that game either way sure but it started to get a little traction of, hey, you know, what if this and what if that? And then, you know, if they win that one, they go to Northern Illinois the next week. I was happened to be at a Northern Illinois game last year watching my nephew play. And that's hardly an intimidating environment. I mean, Dor- Dory Noqua picked them to go 4-0 this week. I would not go that far. Uh, you still have to squint to see it, but it's it's more plausible than it was, you know, maybe a few months ago with, with the Hartman injury now. And so – then they get Alabama, and then you're just going, well, if they don't just get completely humiliated in their conference shattered. I mean, and that's what happened to them back, what was it, in 17? I think they were 
leading the country in scoring defense coming into that game, and then Alabama and Georgia beat them up so badly. They they set an SEC record for points given up in a season. I mean, that, that's the stuff that can happen to you when you're Vanderbilt. Um, I, I do think these this staff will have them more prepared for something like that, and certainly they went through a lot of that a year ago. But that, that'll be the situation coming into Ole Miss is they'll just get off that run of four – probably the four most winnable games. Then they they have the soul crusher at Alabama, then a bye week to get ready for Ole Miss. So an interesting spot. Tell me a little bit about Clark Lee. You've been around him now for a while. When you cover that many practices, you're going to have some interactions usually, unless you're covering Lane Kiffin, who has no interactions with anyone it's, uh, yeah. other than um, people on the, on the team. He does not have any outside interaction in a practice. That's not a criticism. He just doesn't. Uh, what's, what's Lee like? I really, really like the guy. Um, he has been maybe the easiest coach that I've had to deal with that I've covered in any sport. Uh, he and Tim Corbin. Um, Corbin's been really good to deal with. He, now he can be really crotchety at times. And if you've covered him a long time, you kind of know when to, <laughs> yeah. to to stay away. But but other than that, he's been he's been great. Clark is is kind of like that without the the crossness at times. Um, you know, I, you know this, and I'll share this with your audience. I went through a major heart procedure, heart surgery this summer, and I'm the day before I'm sitting there, just grabbing lunch, and and phone rings. I don't recognize the number, and it's Clark. Hey, I, I know about your your surgery tomorrow. I, I called to wish you luck. Not a lot of coaches do that. Not a lot. Um, every, every time I have seen him, and he's got a second, he'll pull me aside, ask me how I'm doing. Um, that has nothing to do with winning football games, but there's a side about, to him. It tells you something about the man, though. Well, it, it, it does, um, and, and I think the older we get, Bill James said this once, and I agree with it, you, you tend to pull for people more than you do teams a lot of times. And he's a guy that, like, if he's coaching anywhere, I'm, I'm pulling for him to win games just because of my experience with him. Um, you know, the, the media thing, it's, it, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. You're like, you get the schedule and you say, well, all all practices are completely open, and then you're like, "Oh wait, <laughs> all practices are completely open. My competition's going to be there, so I I basically know what I'm doing for the next three weeks." Yeah. Um, but I mean, but you take it, and especially in a spot where they're in, where if it gets off the rails early, and it could, that's when later in the season you've got stuff to write about. Like, well, okay, I know they got beat by fifty by Georgia last week, but you know, you might see a couple of freshmen play in fall, you know, that I saw in fall camp. They've got some skills. You've got a carrot to give to fans, you know, to have something to look forward to. And I think that's where he was very smart uh, in how he handled practice and, and, frankly, just in how he treats people because you're more likely, all things considered, to, to get up and go um, if you know the guy on, that you're covering is, is going to be decent to work with, and he's been more than decent. What is Vanderbilt doing – from an NIL standpoint, from I refer to it as pay for play because that's what exactly yeah. what it is. In a, in a league where pretty much everybody has something going, um, most teams have a lot going. Gaps are getting created, obviously. I mean, we see what Texas A&M is allegedly doing and uh, things like that. What's Vanderbilt doing to stay in the game? Uh, not much so far. Uh, they've got a former player named Jason Burns who was – organizing their collective. I, I reached out to him a couple weeks ago 
said, I'd love to have you on our show. He, he declined, said, I'll do it later, but we're just not ready yet. My understanding is their strategy with that is going to be, and, and this is where their philosophy needle is going to be, let's find kids who've got traits to play in the NFL. In other words, if, if that means you need to be at least 6'2 to play linebacker and, and run a you know, four, six, five, forty, or whatever that is. They design their recruiting around that. And so the kids they get athletically, you know, they may not be as developed as the kids Alabama and Georgia and Florida are going to get, but they think that with the frame, with the speed, they can get there. Their fear is that that kid gets in their program, he blows up, he goes somewhere else. Their strategy is going to be to try to mitigate that to where I think they'll use it as a retention tool. Yeah. Now, now how that looks – I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows yet, but I know enough to know. That's the next big wave. That's the next big wave in NIL is is that, yeah. you know, it, it's it's going to be because people ask, well, what happens when these high school kids bust? Because they're going to. Because they always have. They always will. What happens when the high school kids bust? Well, you're going to see schools start taking more of their tampering budget and moving it from recruiting high school kids to tampering. Yeah to taking, hey, that guy at Northern Illinois who blew up at 19. Let's just let's just go ahead and get that worked out. Well, I, 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 know, I'm not, I know I'm not breaking new ground here, but, you know, you're hearing tampering stories and, and stuff besides you're hearing in baseball now where kids are, you know, playing for one school and bidding with another. I mean, it's – we could do a whole day on this. But, yeah, I mean, they, they certainly got caught – I mean, here they are. They're they're finally doing the stadium stuff that everybody has talked about for years. They're putting, I don't know, three, four, maybe five hundred million dollars into facilities. And just when they announce that, the game has changed, and and it's this now. What are they doing long term with that stadium? Anything? It, yeah, they're doing a lot. Okay. Um, when and and they and this is just Vandy being Vandy. When you start announcing you're spending a bunch of money for sports, and especially if you're the chancellor, there's a faction on that campus that doesn't think you could you should spend anything for football beyond you know your your kids' flag football budget. But so he's got to be careful with that. But what it's going to look like when they're done with it, the open end zone is going to have, according to them, they're going to have the country's largest practice facility for men and women for yep. basketball. Uh, that's going to have premium seating on the outside. It, it's going to be a, a huge building. They'll have some stuff there for food prep for for concessions. I think they'll up their food game, which in Nashville is a is a really good idea given the the places you can eat there. Sure. Um, the closed in zone is going to be knocked out, and they'll have a football only building there with weight room. You know all all those things, and I think the stadium capacity is going to be. Somewhere between thirty and what the the forty thousand three hundred or whatever they are at the moment, I, I think it'll be probably right in the middle. I think they'll add a little bit of seating elsewhere, but it's going to look dramatically different with two pretty big athletic buildings in each end zone, and they'll have a lot of premium seating through there. Now across the street, I don't know if you've walked there in a while, Neil, but they've got a, a little driveway or a little road that goes behind that. It runs by the baseball stadium along the right field foul pole. They're going to shut that street down entirely. And their athletics building is on the other side of that street, not far from the road. They're going to build that up to three or four stories and maybe build it out a little bit. And then behind that, they're going to have a whole new 
indoor practice complex and and some other stuff with the fields. But it's going to be a a pretty massive undertaking. I don't think they're going to be done until 2025, and I don't think they're going to start most of it until the last game of the season has been played this year. All right, speaking of the season, give me a, a quick scouting report on on Vanderbilt. I liked the quarterback, right, uh, what I saw of him um, late last season. Kind of thought, saw some flashes of a guy that can do some things. What about the rest of the – what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses? I think they're going to be a run-first team. Uh, Wright is a 10-800-meter guy, and the problem with him was he it, it was all straight. They've taught him to run a little sideways and evade tacklers. I think that's going to be their identity. Uh, they'll – throws beyond 10 yards uh, are going to be a struggle for him. He can hit the short ones. They'll have a lot of you know slants and dump off to running backs in the playbook, which is smart. And I think they're good enough to win two games, their first two, just with that. They've got a running back named Ray Davis that I really like. I think he's got a chance to be an NFL draft pick, can do everything from catching the ball to pass blocking, can – uh, can run over you. Has got surprising speed. If you're if you're doing an SEC fantasy football draft, uh, that that might be a little good sleeper pick for your audience because I think he's. My guess is if they can block anything, he'll have a thousand combined yards by season's end, and, and that'll include some catches. Uh, they've got a, a good number one receiver in Will Shepard, at least good for them. Um, they're developing some depth there. The question is the offensive line. They're starting a freshman at left tackle. Uh, otherwise, four returning starters, which helps. Defensively, they're going to be faster in the back seven. Um, they've got a kid named Ricky Wright, who was at one point an Ole Miss commit, yeah. um, who's he's had trouble. I don't think he's a bad kid, but he's had he's lost both parents. He's been suspended. He's had all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think they were going to just find a way to get him in the lineup they have. Uh, they added Kane Patterson from Clemson, who played some meaningful snaps there at linebacker. Now they got a corner named Jalen Mahoney, who's a safety that I like. I mean, they've got some guys. It's not what the rest of the league's got, but it's closed the gap. And I think what they want to be, Neil, I think they're going to run the football more than they throw it. Um, maybe hope to bust some huge plays. And I think defensively they'll they'll be faster. And their thing is they want to swarm the ball. And they've done this in practice. I had a really hard time identifying who made tackles because one guy would would get a ball carrier and there'd be six or seven other guys that just would form a big pileup there. What they want to do is you might beat us, but you're going to wish you didn't play us when the day is over. And I thought they did a really good job of doing that in fall camp. Yeah, that's that Clark Lee mentality and the the culture that he's putting in. Speaking of, and this is, I don't know if it's fair, but it's something I've wondered, and I, I don't, he's never going to address it. But if, if Clark Lee had known Brian Kelly was leaving, as imminently as he was when he left to take the Vanderbilt job, would Clark Lee have stayed? Gambled a little bit that he'd be the guy at Notre Dame. I, I've never heard one way or the other. I mean, look, if it's me or you, then uh, of course we would have done that. Sure. Um, but but having said that, you know Vanderbilt's where he he played. I, I covered him as one of the first teams I covered. Um, he played for. In fact, I used to sit at practice with his dad, who's still alive. In fact, I I see him. It a lot of stuff. His dad's a physician. His dad was actually the um, the team physician for the Nashville Sounds, which are, is our Triple A team. And Clark was their bullpen catcher when he was in high school, which is kind of interesting. How about that? But but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's you know, his dad went there. They've got family ties. He went to school five minutes away at Montgomery Bell Academy. 
Um, you know, it, it means a lot to him. I, I do think that the, you know, if they get to be good by chance, which I'm not predicting, but if they if they turn it around, I don't think he leaves for somewhere else because I think he does have a lot of skin invested in it. I think that's one reason that they had some good choices. Maybe that made him the best of the hires. I mean, I, look, I can't imagine if he knew he'd be Notre Dame's coach in a year. I, I know what I would have done. Um, but but I I think this this job means a lot to him too. They'll give him plenty of time, right? Oh yeah, he he's going to get several years. I mean, th- that job it wasn't just the talent that that program was such a wreck. Uh, but between the Sarah Fuller stunt that the previous staff pulled with the kids, with the with just all kinds of things, um, you know, he, he talked about he knew for years he wanted to be head coach and he had this speech written out that I'm just going to blow these people away. Worked on it for years, had this moment mapped out in his head. He gets to his team meeting, the the first meeting with his kids, um, you know, when he gets on campus two Decembers ago and and he can just tell right away, like the body language is so bad. Kids are just checked out. They're, they're wandering in late. He's like, this isn't going to do me a bit of good. And he scrapped it on the spot. I mean, so in addition to the talent stuff, I think those kids in that program were so beat down that you had a whole layer of stuff on top of the talent that he had to contend with that. I don't think he knew really even to the magnitude until they were well into the season. Um, but to his credit, he's not complained. He's stuck around. He's, he's fought through a lot of it. And And again, you can, I'm I'm not making predictions, but you're starting to be able to see um you know some light at the end of the tunnel if you squint a little bit. What are your thoughts on the league as a whole? Week away for everybody else. What are you what are you kind of looking for other than Alabama and Georgia dominant programs that have won the last two championships and appear to be ready to compete for another one? I think it's fascinating. Um Outside of those top two programs, I think the A&M thing is going to be really interesting. Um, I mean, like every year, when's the last time we went through a year where a coach didn't get crushed by the weight of expectations? I mean, you've seen it happen at Auburn, yeah, sure. Tennessee. You saw it happen last year at Florida. That, that's kind of my thing is like which school in Auburn would be the pick for that is is going to be the school that, that has that happen, right? And A&M's one that I wonder like, with all the talent, there's all those expectations. Like, what happens if they go seven and five or eight and four? And again, I'm not picking it, but somebody's going to lose a couple games they're not expecting to lose. Like, how does that go for Jimbo Fisher? Um, because, like, you probably don't fire the guy given the expectation that all that talent can maybe win you the whole thing the next year. But fan bases tend to get a little crazy in this league. And so that's that whole thing with, with, a&M, I think it's worth watching. Um, I think both programs in your states, both programs in the state that you cover are interesting. Um, Ole Miss, so I want to see how the quarterback thing resolves. And, of course, they, they're going to have a running game, which they don't usually have. State has got, man, so many returning guys, uh, both sides of the ball. Um, they've got a quarterback who's you know, now very well ingrained in that system. They'll throw the heck out of it. They can play a little defense. I think both those schools are interesting. Uh, the, the thing with Brian Kelly at LSU, and, and I think in the East, Neil, it's like, who's number two? Because uh, I think Tennessee's been the popular pick, but defensively, I don't know. Kentucky is reloading on defense, but that's their identity. 
Uh, they've got a, a potential NFL quarterback. I mean, the battle for second over there, uh, I think, is really interesting, too. Hey, last thing, and appreciate your time. On the Wednesday podcast, we were talking about the Los Angeles Angels, the Oakland A's, uh, whether they, those teams leave those markets. You know, Artie Moreno's putting the, the Angels up for sale. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Nashville's long been talked about as a potential market. I think you and I have talked about this before. Is there any momentum at all in in Nashville that that you think is legitimate, palpable, whatever, to, to eventually land an MLB team? I, I'm not as bullish on it as a lot of people are. Um, the, the thought is, and I happened to talk to a guy that's part of the ownership group just by happenstance a couple of weeks ago. And, 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 of course, he was optimistic they could get a team. His thought was Nashville's got a shot to get the Rays one day. Um, I think the thought is that Oakland will end up going to Vegas. Yeah. So it, that would be their best shot. But, I mean, look, they we've got pro football we got hockey. We've got a soccer team that's drawing a ton of fans. Um, I just don't know that between that... soccer that, stadium is super cool, by the way. Yeah, I've not been in it yet, but I, everybody says the same. You know, parking is a nightmare from what I hear. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just... T- to me, it's... The market's a little too saturated. You know, the funny thing is I grew up here, and that was like the sport that everybody said, when we get a sport, it's going to be baseball. And you had the minor league ownership group try to position itself to that it just never happened so it's kind of weird 
sitting here knowing we've got three major league teams and none are baseball, but I I don't know. I just think I, I there seems to be a lot working against us, and I'm not sure that that ownership group is the most organized either. Well, hey, man, uh, you look great. Glad to know you're feeling good, and um, I look forward to seeing you. It won't be long. It'll be week week six before you know it because you know how football season goes. It just rolls. Yeah. It gets rolling. So I'll see you in Nashville, I guess, October the 7th. I'm looking forward to it. Same here. Actually, it's before that. No, it is October 7th because the game's October the 8th. That's right. 8th. So yeah. I'll, see you. I'll see you on Friday the 7th. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we've got to hang out and do something. There's and there's plenty of places to eat, so yeah, that won't be an issue. Well, we'll see you then. Uh, good luck with uh, with everything. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Neil. That was Chris Lee. Thanks for uh, his time. Chase got so excited about Ray Davis. He just started running around the studio. I was like, "Hey, man, you're going to break equipment. Be careful." Ray Davis, Ray sixteen Davis. games at Temple during the nineteen and twenty seasons. So I mean, look. You get the small school angle. You get the transfer. Oh, I mean, really, yes. the little engine that could there, the running back for the uh, for the Commodores checks every box. Suffered an injury in week three last year, so we didn't get to see a lot of him. He yeah. had to, he had to kind of overcome that. He did go for ninety three in a win against Colorado State, though. There you go. Hey, there's your guy. Had a touchdown against Stanford. It's a Big Ten touchdown here soon. You know, this might that league. this might finally let you move on from Ralph Webb. Might Damn. finally let you put that relationship to bed. He's from the West Coast. It's a lot there. Trying to make it work. And went from San Francisco to Temple. Yeah. That was a haul. Yeah. Kind of a. It's kind of the opposite of the Fresh Prince, you know? Not a huge dude. 5'9", 205. I mean, it's just, just. Where's glasses? Just something you could try on. Saturday night, you can turn him it's on. It's not the worst idea for you. Yeah, just, just get, give him a shot. It's speed dating. You get get a quarter. See what it looks like. Hey, you know, break a couple tackles, go yeah. for a couple runs, get around Hawaii a little bit. Yeah, I know. Ray Davis, the false bravado of Hawaii though is kind of funny. <laughs> it's great. Wait, what are we doing? They don't know what's coming. Well, they get beat by Georgia every year. <laughs> they have a clue. I mean, you're not going to freak them out. <laughs> no. I mean. <laughs> they didn't look at the schedule and go, "Oh shit, Hawaii." Oh, I mean, they, they go to the oh. swamp every other year. They're 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 familiar with playing games on the road, not winning them, but playing them. Hawaii gets Michigan in week three, Vanderbilt and Michigan here in the first three weeks of the season at Michigan. I presume that is correct. Yeah. Yes, that is that is Michigan's that is. not making that trip. <laughs> not week three, especially. <laughs> <laughs> They only have I, – I was curious about that from a road game standpoint for Hawaii. They have one, two, three, four, five, six road games. So it is six and six. But San Jose, Fresno, Fort Collins, Colorado, San Diego, Las Cruces, and then Ann Arbor are yeah. their there road trips. Michigan is tucked in between Western Kentucky out there in Hawaii and uh, Duquesne, the Dukes. I don't think I could have told you they were the Dukes. Actually, I'm sure that I couldn't. It appears that Hawaii has a deal with Spectrum pay-per-view for most of its games. Oh. The game on Saturday is... CBS Sports Network. CBS Sports Network. And the, just and looking the, for it. And the Michigan game is Big Ten Network. They're taking that one over. Nebraska Northwestern's on Fox... 11.30 on Saturday. 
Uh, Big Ten on Fox doesn't feel right. I'll be honest. There's something about Big Ten on Fox that I'm struggling with. Wyoming and uh, Illinois at three on the Big Ten Network. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic, CBS Sports Network. I'm just looking for anything that could be remotely interesting. There's nearly nothing there. Nevada. And, zero. Yeah, Nevada, New Mexico State at nine on ESPN2. I mean, God help I saw me. where Northwestern was selling gear with the Irish flag on it. Oh, really? Why are we doing this? I don't know. Maybe they're I mean, wearing. If it sells, sure. Maybe they're wearing special uniforms. You think so? Probably so. First game of the year, Austin P at Western Kentucky at 11 on CBS Sports Network. Ugh. Big day on CBS Sports Network. They've got a quadruple header. What is their quadruple header? Austin P at Western Kentucky. Idaho State at UNLV. Oh, good God. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. And then Vanderbilt at Hawaii. A big day on the network all day long. Can we move around those teams and have a couple other ones play a couple other ones? Like there's there, there's there's some teams that I would at least go, hey, I'll turn this on. But there's not a game where you go, oh. The wow. schedule appears to be set, so okay. probably not. So, yeah, Florida A&M at North Carolina on the ACC network. ESPN Plus, I think, if you've got it. Um. Patrick Beverly was traded last night. Does he still get your dander up when you hear his name? Or have we, have we moved on? I mean, I think what he did probably cost the Thunder a title. And I thought it was cheap. But there's nothing I can do about it anymore. So, Or I could do ever. I guess I'm kind of over it. Yesterday it was more. Well, speaking of, he is now a teammate. Of one Russell Westbrook. Yes. At least for now. Whether, whether Westbrook actually plays this season remains to be seen. Yesterday was more about Chet Holmgren and where that where that was going. A season that uh, I was really looking forward to kind of got dampered a little bit. It's not that I thought Holmgren would, would win games. I didn't think that at all. In fact, I thought him playing would help them lose games. But I was looking forward to watching his development over the course of his rookie year. And now it looks like he's going to miss the entire season. So that that takes some of the fun out of the upcoming season. Gets hurt in a pro-am game hosted by Jamal Crawford. Not the best situation. Yeah, and the floor wasn't dry. There was a lot of humidity. The floor was wet. There's no sign that that led to it, but come on, let's be real. It, yeah, you, they stopped the game in the second quarter because of humidity. Yeah, I mean, the face of the NBA was at that game, LeBron James. Um, in fact, yeah, Jason Holmgren, Tatum was there. Holmgren got hurt defending really? LeBron James. I mean, look, there's two things. One is that if you're a – I think this might lead, and I heard some people say this yesterday, this might lead to some NBA personnel saying, hey, these games, you guys make too much money. There's too much going on. You just can't go play in these games anymore. And if you do get hurt in these games, we're not on the hook for your contract. And then the second thing is this is the thing that you always worry about with guys like Holmgren. And look, it, it's possible that it was a freak injury and that he'll come back and he'll be the guy he once was, right? But you always worry about tall, skinny guys and their feet. That's it, People would always talk about Holmgren like he's so skinny and he's going to get banged around. I'm like, that's not what worries me. What always worried me about guys like Holmgren is their feet. And this is a foot injury. It's not a bone injury, apparently. It's a ligament. Ligaments, yes. And so, you know, typically ligament injuries can be fixed. Bone injuries sometimes linger. 
I mean, you know, like you worry about, you're always worried about Kevin Durant and the Liz Frank injury because it's bone. And sometimes those bone injuries, if the, if the surgery isn't done precisely right and the rehab's not done precisely right, those can reoccur. So the ligament thing will probably be all right, but him missing a year, I don't know, just kind of puts a damper on the season to a degree. It because it is a year. That's what it sounds like. Okay. Just to cap a story we did talk about a couple weeks ago, uh, Vanessa Bryant, wife of Kobe Bryant, was awarded sixteen million dollars from L.A. County as a result of the uh, deputies and firefighters taking and distributing photos at the scene of the uh, crash that killed Bryant, his daughter, and other uh, other people in 2020, um, early 2020. Uh, i not surprised. I mean, we talked about what we would potentially do with what we knew about the case. I thought it was an interesting case because the photos were never made public, so it does put somewhat of a limit on distri- distribution as far as that, how that went, but... Just taking them and showing anybody would be cause for a punishment there. So I'm not surprised by the, the the reward that was that was given out. I don't think feels like it is one of those also punitive ones to make sure we don't get down a slippery slope moving forward. Should anything similar happen, I remain absolutely yeah. shocked that those photos did not become I know somewhat mainstream. Stunned. I'm That's what I'm that was the argument for the firefighters and policemen to go. Hey, they're not out. I mean, right. what do you? I'm surprised. I'm glad she won. I'm surprised she won. You are surprised. She yeah, won. I really am. I think the more because it just their their argument, which was well, there was there was no emotional damage. They didn't get out. You didn't even see them. True. They're not out for your. I kid. guess that's a good point. You have to show prove damage and what because her argument in part was that her children would see those photos of their father and their sister and and they didn't. But the fact that they are potentially out there and they were taken in non-working functions it was iphone photos it wasn't like hey we just took the camera you know whatever they do in that right it wasn't just evidence photos it was literally people snapping photos on phones because you know obviously someone has to come out there from the investigation and take photos because there's going to be lawsuits of course yes there's there's going to be litigation yeah official photos are just part of the deal right but those photos are court sealed but the fact that they were out there with pulling out their iPhones and taking photos while on the job, and then those photos did get spread around the department, they, was, they ruled that that was, that was worthy of a settlement. What do you think, because my initial first blush is that I don't like it. What's your thoughts on the MLB schedule next year? They're going to play every other team in Major League Baseball, and they are cutting down the number of games inside your division. Right. And for me... I believe baseball thrives because it is a regional sport where you worry where you're worried about your division, your rivals, and the teams you play. I don't like minimizing that to spread it around. I understand the point. I get it. Typically, I would have no problem in any sport doing this. I think it's the most quote fair thing to do. But in baseball, it's a little bit different for me in that I would rather have more Braves Mets. I'd rather have more Yankees Red Sox. I don't really need for there to be the Red Sox Padres game just for the heck of it because we're spreading it around. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I I get why they did it. Um you want Shohei Otani to play in every park. Sure. That's how you grow the sport, if you will. That said, if you're a fan, I like the fact that we play the Cardinals 
we being the Cubs, 19 times. The Pirates, the Reds, the Brewers. It leads to some animosity. Yeah, sure, people. Um, you know, you get tired of those guys. Well, now if I'm only playing the Cardinals 12 times, am I going to get as tired of them? Is that going to minimize the rivalry a little bit? Because, look, at the end of the year, you know, you look up and you're like, well, we lost the division by two games. We went 7-12 and 12 against St. Louis. Well, there it was. There it is. Or, hey, we won the division by one game and we went 13-6 and six against the Cards, and that's why we did it. I like that. Those games feel bigger. I mean, look, I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the college version of that for people who are not Major League Baseball fans is that there's a big part of my book is about Ole Miss and Arkansas being tired of one another. Mm-hmm. And it's because they played so damn much relative to college baseball over the last two or three times. It was like 18 times. Yeah. And it's like, God, no, we're just like, there's no secret. You're just dealing with them over right. and over and over and over again. And in baseball, you get that with every division rival. So you are locked in when it's Braves, Mets, and Nationals, and Phillies. And, hey, that's that's – yeah, like that's who we hate. That's our people right there. I mean, it's it, it it's completely that. So I don't like. It's why I mean I see Adam Wainwright take the mound. I'm like, oh my god, him again. Yeah. But that's good for the sport. That's good for a rivalry. When Yadier Molina steps to the plate, I'm like, man, I'm so sick of this guy. Right? You know, I mean, that's hey, what, you're facing Yadier Molina 80 times. In yeah, he's just constant, constant. I mean, you know, that, and that's but that's good. And now you take that away. Now the games don't seem to mean as much. On the flip side, if you're just using the Cubs as an example, there's a better chance that the, the Angels are coming to town, that the the Mariners are coming to town. You're going to get to see Julio Rodriguez. You don't normally get to see him. I mean, stuff like that. I, it's good in the park. It's not as good outside the park. Yeah. That's the answer. What's going on now is they will play uh, 52 total games against teams in their division. That's down from 76. As we mentioned, it goes from 19 to 13 over those four series against each team. So six games down um, per per team opponent. Teams will play 64 games against other opponents within their own league. Uh, that's down from 66, so essentially the same number there, playing other, if you're a National League team, other National League teams, or so it's the same in the American League. And then interleague play will make up 46 games, which is the difference. It's an increase from 20. So they're more than doubling the number of interleague games that you will uh, play. Um Every team will play one home-and-home home interleague series over four games against its, quote, natural rival, whatever they make that out to be in so the interleague. So Cardinals, Royals, Cubs, White Sox, Yankees, Mets. From there it gets a little tricky. Yeah, but Whatever. Yeah. yeah, sure. I guess Angels, Dodgers. Yeah, Rangers, Astros. <laughs> sure. I don't know who the Braves' natural. Who know, is there? Who's the Braves' interleague? I guess Rays? No, because the Rays play the Marlins. I don't know who the I don't know the Braves don't have one. We got to play somebody. They'll figure. I guess they'll have to force that. I mean, whatever. You have Reds, Indians, or Guardians, or whatever they're called. Orioles, Nationals. Yeah, Braves kind of left in the cold there. That'd be all right. It'd be kind of like Missouri. Gabe got a mailbag question. Uh, you know, what's the one decision that you know? What's the one thing you change about Missouri? And he goes, "They're in the wrong league." Did he really? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he said it didn't go over particularly well. So the Braves' interleague schedule this year at Texas, uh, Boston. Uh, let's see. 
By the way, it's official now. Uh, Holmgren out for season with the Liz Frank injury. It wasn't wasn't oh, wow. ligaments. Yeah. Well, no, we uh, Liz Frank can be ligaments. Okay. Yeah. There can be a lot of cartilage ligament damage around those bones that form the arch. Um, Angels. Oakland. Houston again. I tell you, they play, actually, they play the A's and the Astros this year more than they do any other interleague team. So, obviously, either that's not there or for some reason it's the Astros. But A couple people think it's the uh, Red Sox are going to be the Braves. Oh, really? Regional rival. Well, yeah, well I mean, but who is, who's the Astros? Rangers. They're in the same league. Oh. So, maybe it is Braves-Astros. Maybe so. I don't know. Well, I mean, look, if I'm doing it for TV and I can go throw those two together, hey, y'all go play eight times. Yeah. Y'all do that. We'll we'll, we'll make that work. Because, I mean, the Red Sox, somebody's got to play the Phillies. Somebody's got to play the Nationals. Yeah, Nationals is Orioles. Okay. I don't, so is it Phillies-Red Sox? That would make sense. I don't know. Okay. Somebody's got to play the Blue Jays. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know who that would be. But Nationals is Orioles? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Pete Carroll still is not named a starting quarterback in Seattle either. They're going to suck, so it's not really going to matter. But if you, if you don't have one, just waiting it out. So what's our guess here on Thursday morning? On Monday, when Ole Miss releases a press, a, a press release, their press notes, that will include a depth chart. Will it be an or at quarterback, or will they have announced a quarterback by then? What's our guess here on Thursday morning at 9 I would put zero money on this. Right. None. Let's My just, confidence level, as we used to do, is zero. Let's say you just had to bet a dime. A dime. Or. or. I think My guess, I think and it is a guess, too. is they announce a starting quarterback – if I had to put it, if it was a lottery system or whatever, and you mm-hmm. had to get the date right, and we're doing a pool Wednesday of next week. You know what? I think that I, uh, I have look. I think there, this is no, not educated. No. This is just me guessing. I would go Wednesday when Lane talks to the media one last time. I think I would if I, if you told me I. I had to bet. Now, look, he could do it in 10 minutes. I don't know. Right. But if you told me I had to bet, that's probably what I'd bet. And if someone said, how much are you willing to bet? I'd be like, I don't know, a dollar. I mean, nothing more than that. I have no confidence in that whatsoever. And the reason is, and I've said this for a few times, so I know I'm being repetitive, but I've yet to see Lane Kiffin do coach speak on an answer. If he doesn't want to answer something, he'll just kind of blow it off. Like, especially like, hey, who stood out in the scrimmage? I don't, I don't know. We we practiced. We've had walkthroughs since then. We just practiced. That was a long time ago. I, I don't know. He obviously does know. He chooses not to answer that. He didn't stumble through it. He just was like, I don't, I don't know. Then you ask about quarterback, and he goes into an answer. And the answer was, I really don't know. And it made me think that as of Monday, he really didn't know. We'll get Lane again tomorrow, I believe. 
and he'll get asked again, and I anticipate another answer along those lines. We talked about Troy and Sumrall a minute ago. Um, they're dealing with at least some level of distraction as there is a, uh, a an abuse case, a suit filed against three coaches yeah. at Troy as well as former players um, for – Including one coach who's there still. Correct, yes. Um, for several different forms of harassment and sexual assault related to uh, – Yeah. Essentially the perception of being – Homosexual. I have no idea. Again, that's where I'm stopping. But um, the the plaintiff's summary or the whatever that the initial filing is is uh, incredibly damning. Should it be accurate? So uh, you can again you can read it. Um, but I'm reading from the Associated Press right now, and it makes sense. It would be at least some level of um, some level of distraction there for Troy, and just a horrific thing. Should it be should it be accurate? So. Again, you can read about it. I'm not reading it. I know we got kids in the car and things. I'm not yeah. going to go there, but it is uh, it is there if you uh, would like to uh, to read that. Um, I know you're inserting ads in the audio version of this. We have yep. a few that aren't sure there. Let's, you want to touch those? We got a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. If you've been listening to MPW Digital over the years, you know that we're both fans of mental health therapy. I've needed it at times. So I, Probably, probably still need it. And uh, during the pandemic, my, my daughters utilized therapy as well. There's no stigma. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Taking care of your mind is, uh, is smart. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? That's how our brains work, so why don't we treat them that way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping your mind healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, learning a new language, taking power naps. There's also better help online therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash mpw. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash mpw our friends at blue delta jeans are excited to announce they'll be hosting mustache the band friday october the 14th for the square jams after party come out to support the rebels on the oxford square at square jams then complete your night at the lyric with the folks from bdj the world's most powerful 90s country party band uh, ticket packages are on sale now. Some tickets include jeans and some don't, but all include admission to the concert and an open bar. To book, just visit bluedeltajeans.com slash afterparty, and uh, we'll see you there. And we brought to you by A-Stock Auctions. It's a Nashville-based online auction company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock Auctions start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1. Shop now at astock.bid or download their app. Name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock Auctions has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups. So don't miss out. Want it, bid it, win it. Let's see. Uh, what's our topics tonight? What are our games on? What's our setup? I was just looking to see uh, what we have in terms of games this evening because I was wondering myself. There's no college games till Saturday. The first one, as I mentioned, is Austin P and um, Western Kentucky. Looking to see if we have any NFL. We have two NFL games tonight. I don't know which ones are on television. Oh, NFL Network. We have Green Bay at Kansas City at 7 o'clock tonight. Yep. 
and then on Prime Video, which we also could get. Yeah, I've got uh, Amazon Prime in here. If I don't, I'll make sure Carson helps me hook it up. Niners at Texans. Which is, uh, yeah. So, Packers at Chiefs tonight. Packers or, at Chiefs. Uh, but we'll get the, I'll get the other one on. Um, got that. Four uh, preseason games on Friday night, including uh, Seattle at Dallas on NFL Network. Got some uh, pro football on Saturday as well. Will that get you on it's the NFL Network at 5 o'clock on Saturday? It's a preseason game. Is that going to get you? Uh, Bengals, yeah. Rams. Yeah. You in? Yeah. They've okay. been practicing against each other all week in Cincinnati. Yeah. So you got uh, Saturday TV games in the NFL. Jacksonville at Atlanta, 2 o'clock on the NFL Network. Uh, as Chase just mentioned, Rams and Bengals at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, I'm in on that for sure. That's I saw Dolphins Eagles canceled their practice today. Any idea why? Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I, know. I saw they canceled a joint practice today. Then there's two Sunday games uh, the Battle of New York, Giants and Jets at noon on the NFL Network. And then CBS with the nationally televised preseason game, Detroit at Pittsburgh. I'm going to guess that Detroit has some more interest this year because of hard knocks. Well, no, that definitely brings people into their stories. Sure. Yeah. Um, they're fun. The Lions are this like really fun team from Hard Knocks. They've got really cool stories. Um, the two coaches going at each other at practice, who are like best friends, is so funny. Like I was laughing throughout it. Aiden Hutchinson is a really good story. Um, and then Dan Campbell, the guy's just—he's great. He's, I wonder what level of hard knocks is the reason that his coach of the year odds continue to get better. He opened at plus 1,600 for NFL coach of the year, and those odds are down to plus 1,000, and they haven't played a game. Yeah. I wonder if that is literally people betting on the hard knocks guy. I think it's that, and I think it's if you kind of follow that arc on that team, you could see late last season they were playing a lot better. Losing, but they were playing better, a lot better. If they just had a little better quarterback. That's the problem. I mean, it's just it's Jared Goff. I mean, it's what he said yesterday. Even if they had a Kirk Cousins, I'd go, hey, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, sure, I, 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 can, I can try to get there. I can make that work. But I just have a hard time making it work here. Yeah, yeah Leif said just read the Troy thing. I wish I didn't. I read it and yeah. said I'm, not, I'm never reading that again. Yeah. That's why I did not uh, – Say it over air, but yeah, um, no. if that's your son, you you want yeah. justice. So tonight, Henry's guys, seven o'clock. It's got a busy day. There'll be plenty on MPW Digital as the day moves uh, on. Right about Cedric Johnson here in a little bit. We'll have coverage at Rebelgrove dot com. In the meantime, as uh, Ole Miss is barreling toward game week again, Troy and the Rebels nine days away. It's a three o'clock start on uh, on that Saturday against uh, against Troy. What channel is that on? Uh, Ole Miss and Troy is SEC Network. I'm is SEC sure. Network? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the game's next Saturday. Sam Houston's at Texas A&M at 11 a.m. on SEC Network. Oregon and um, Georgia at 2.30 on ABC. Cincinnati and Arkansas at 2.30 on ESPN. And then Troy at Ole Miss at 3 on the SEC Network. Okay. And then there's a bunch of games that night. Okay. Two Thursday games next week when we do hand-raise guys. Yeah, that's right. So I'm kind of kind – of, Kind of starting to feel football. There will be something on Saturday that gets some interest. You got the Ireland Big Ten game and then Vanderbilt and Hawaii and some stuff in between. So yeah. We'll, uh, some, 
We'll get there. Don't forget McCready and Siski, uh, powered by rain, total body fuel. We're going to do that around 2 o'clock today. So come and help, Have a help, me, help me control Tyler or just let Tyler be Tyler. We'll go from there. Talk to you tonight, guys. Take care. Have a good day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.